0: Hey fam, let's catch the moment. We open this space with the acknowledgement that the land in which we are located is occupied and unceded territories. On this, their traditional land and ancestral home join us in acknowledging the tribal groups from where we personally vibe, including the Kickapoo, Kansas, Osage, Otos, Missouri, Patawamy, Sioux, Shawnee, Wyandotte, Choctaw, and Chitty tribes. We look to you as we become better stewards of the land we inhabit. Peace and love.
1: Lego. A, this is just a story.
2: What's up and welcome to the We Out Here podcast, a place to hear the stories of black, brown, and indigenous folks in science and nature. My name is Alexi G, coming to you from the black lands of the Kumeyaay down here in San Diego, California. And with me, as always,
0: happy to be here. Coming to you live from the Narragansett lands, a.k.a. Providence, Rhode Island, a.k.a. P-Town.
2: P-Town?
0: A.k.a. (laughs) Oh. The place where my decrepit bones lie.
2: (laughs) I'm doing real good. (laughs) (laughs) There's not just two people on this podcast. We have an excellent, spectacular guest joining us today. Give us your name, your pronouns,
1: and what you do. Sure. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast tonight. My name is Dr. Ramesh Longani. My pronouns are he, him, his. I am currently the chair of science at Poly Prep Country Day School in Brooklyn, New York. So I get to oversee a great group of faculty and we get to do a lot of great science with fifth graders all the way to 12th graders and get them really asking scientific questions about the world and helping them see that science is not just a pile of facts to memorize, but a series of questions to ask. And so that's what I do on a day-to-day basis. So before recording this, I was... In a room full of ninth graders, and then after that, a room full of 11th and 12th graders who were stressed out (laughs) about SATs and college admittance. So, but they're great, but all the students are great. So, Whenever someone posed the thing where they're like,
2: would you take, you know, $10 million or would you go back to being like, you know, 15 or like 12 or like six years old? Every time I'm like, man, I would take the million dollars. I would never want to go back to that oh, sensitive, absolutely painful absolutely. Age. absolutely
1: like ah. Oh, even just being scared of tests, it's a tough ecosystem, you know. Yes, and, and the kids are dealing with 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 so much, right? They're dealing with so much more, you know. Like you were talking about Magic the Gathering, yeah, and how you were, how you recently got into it. First of all, you. you the fact that Allison didn't know what that is like really made me feel that I'm a 42 year old person. It's um, okay, right?
0: I'm barely. I'm. I've only got you by a few years. Truly, it cracks not. I was young at face promise. and young at heart.
1: I was just like, oh no, am I that? You know, I already make references to my students, like that. They're just like, I don't know what you're talking. What? What is back to Wait, the Wait, give
0: us one. What come are on, you talking? Come on, let's about? test it. Let's test it. Yeah.
1: What's a reference that I made? Yeah, what's one that like you you dropped
2: for the kids and it just fell completely flat?
1: I tried explaining science communication by showing them a gif from <laughs> Back to the Future, where Doc <laughs> Brown talks about how the flux capacitor makes time travel possible. Okay. And when I've Yeah, right, right, exactly. When I've put that in front of older folks Every, it's like if someone is like yes back to the future when i write all of those science, reactions that you're having science. right now that no one right that no one on the audio version of this can actually see but then when i put that in front of my students they were like yeah i think we've i think we've we've heard of heard of that and i was like
0: didn't this guy just die
1: uh, <laughs> you're right right so so and, and but i also like lean into that i'm just like just go ask your parents yeah. what the flux capacitor is. Yeah. Uh, yep. And uh, and what's really great, actually, the scene does some really amazing com. Doc Brown defines the thing first and then provides the jargon.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: a really amazing com rule I learned from Maddie Sophia from NPR. She was like, when you just throw a jargon word out there first, everyone's running through their mental Rolodex of like, oh my God, I gotta know, I gotta know, I gotta know, yeah. and then they don't listen, right? But if you say... The thing that makes time travel possible, oh, we just happen to call it the flux capacitor. Oh, now I don't even need to worry about the term because I already know what it means. It's the most brilliant yeah. com hack and so easy, but it's often done in the opposite order.
2: Yeah, it's like building a house from the roof first, you know? It's like, yeah, right. explaining exactly. what it is in like layman's terms or just regular terms is the foundation. Right. And then from there, right. you can build all the complicated stuff after that if it's appropriate. Right.
1: Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. The thesis is I'm old and my <laughs> students are young. <laughs> you know, since you pointed out how we're not discussing anything related to
2: the premise of the podcast, I mean <laughs> tell me about what is something outdoors that brings you joy? That's what I want to know.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, before coming to New York a couple of years ago, I'm originally from New York, but I lived out in Nebraska for twenty years. Going to graduate school out there with a professor of biology out there at a small liberal arts college. And, you know, so I had, you know, out there in the Midwest, I, I was trained as a prairie ecologist, as a grassland ecologist. And so, yeah, so I found myself out in the prairies doing work. And with my undergrads, there was some work they just couldn't, they didn't have time to do. So, some of that I'd have to do myself. And there was this nature reserve that I would, that was 10 minutes from my college. And sometimes just going out there in the middle of the summer, it was just calm. There were just, I mean, just birds chirping. The sound of, like, the wind moving through grass, tall prairie grass, is distinctly different than the sound of wind moving through, like, tree leaves. You know, everyone, everyone thinks about, like, oh, the wind moving through the trees. And that absolutely can be amazing, but I really enjoy just the sound and the feel of hearing that grass sort of moving yeah. with the wind. And now that I'm in New York, you know, I'm in a really nice part of Brooklyn and it's a really nice, quiet part of Brooklyn so Saturday morning. They like waking up and with my cup of coffee and I can actually just hear the birds chirp. That's dope. And so, you know, as an ecologist, I feel like that's one of the best parts about being an ecologist is I can really, I can still enjoy all those small moments in nature, but then think about the long and hard road that those components of an ecosystem had to take yeah to get that sound of a bird to my ear yeah yeah you know and i see and hear the evolution in those moments and so that makes that bird chirp that much more fulfilling yeah it makes it that much more meaningful because i know its significance and i know all the parts of the biology that make that bird chirp the way it does
2: damn dog you're speaking to me man that, <laughs> i love that
0: that sound like a story i think
2: you know what time it is
0: <laughs> story time
1: <laughs> so my parents were both physicians they were immigrants from india They came over in the 1970s with their medical degrees oh yeah and yeah yeah and so, as
0: old time yeah yeah
1: yeah <laughs> You know, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do growing up, I had sort of the holy trinity: I had doctor, lawyer, or engineer. Those were the three choices. Oh man! And doctor, and by doctor I mean medical <laughs> <Yeah>. physician.
0: Correct. <laughs>
1: They're not talking about PhD. Right. Not They're ED. talking about MD. Not d- right. Exactly. <laughs> and so those were, and I, so I was good at science. You know, I liked yeah. science and good yeah. at science. Right. Now that I teach at a high school, good at science means something very different. But when I was a high school kid, right, good at science meant I got good grades in science, right? And so when I went to college in New York, I was pre-med, much like many of my contemporaries. And, you know, I was in New York City where I went to college, and so nature was. I went to New York University, so for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, basically New York University doesn't really have a campus. Many of the buildings are really centered around a park called washington square park and so that was really my exposure to nature like i'd walk into washington square park where you know there were trees and some manicured plants and things like that so you know there wasn't really again this really broad exposure to nature there was central park but even that i didn't really exploit Mm -hmm. as a resource Mm -hmm. so i was pre-med and i was chugging through the pre-med courses and uh, because that's what I thought I had to do, right? That's, I'm good at science, right? So you would become a physician, that's what you do. And one day I'm walking around campus and I'm actually coming out of the pre-med advising office. And I just had a meeting with my advisor to talk about whatever class I was going to take next year, organic chemistry or physics or whatever it was, right? Oh, whatever I needed terrible. for the MCAT. And uh, as I'm walking out of that office, I happen to see a poster on the wall for a class through the School for Field Studies, and this class was in the Australian rainforest. It was a little poster, it had a little pull tab mm. with the phone number on it, right? So this is back in the year 2000, right? So social media didn't exist, smartphones didn't exist, I'm old once again, which is <laughs> you And, uh, so I took that largely because I thought, well, you know, this is going to actually, if I take this class in the summer, it's going to eliminate a biology class that I have to take later on. I'm going to be able to study for the MCAT more because I have less—you know—less stuff to do, and it's going to look really great on my med school applications Perfect. because who else? Who else can say they went to the Australian rainforest? Exactly. Right? Everyone else is going to say I shadowed at a hospital. I helped some patients. You know, I did a surgery. No, no, no. I went to the Australian rainforest. This was the twenty-year-old logic in my brain. Yeah, it's like take that, Ryan. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Like, you, you have a white coat. I have hiking boots. So there. Who's a better person? Uh, this man. Um, yeah, so this was the stupid chess game I was playing in my head. I signed up for the class. It was a summer class. And so that was the other advantage. I thought, like, great. It's in the summer. I won't mess with, like, taking physics all year, junior year. I won't have to do one of those, like, split weird semester yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Great. I'll do it in the summer. I'll power through it in a month how, and even if I hate it, it's a month. And then I can say I I lived in the Australian rainforest for a month. Whatever. And growing up, you know, we had traveled to India to visit family. And so, you know, the idea of, like, going far distances was not, and being on, like, long plane rides was not sort of a foreign topography for me to sort of traverse. But it was the first time I was sort of traveling alone in that capacity, right? Yeah, yeah. How long of a plane ride are we talking? So, yeah, so I went from New York to L.A. And then when I went to L.A., the way the flights worked out, I had a 10-hour layover in L.A. It's um, <laughs> just not just enough tone. to do LAX. anything. <laughs> no, right. No, it is It is just enough time to get picked up by your friend, leave the airport, <laughs> go get, like, tacos, and come back. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> You're, like, like waiting yeah, in line at In-N-Out
0: in and out, and that right. egregiously now, remember, long line. This is,
1: this is the other thing. <laughs> This was in 2000. Security was a very different Whoa. thing. Oh, this was in pre-2001. Snap. Right. So my friend Whoa. picked me up at the gate. So he picked me up at the gate. So 10 hours, right, I do this thing and he drops me back off. And, you know, I go to my next gate to fly from L.A. to Sydney. And this is where I start bumping into... Like, I'm a... You can't see my face, but I'm imagining like my face is i'm just this confused falsely confident trying to put on this like air of i know what i'm doing 20 year old <laughs> walking around lax airport looking for other students who may look like they have a backpack that might be looking like they're going to go to <laughs> australia so i'm just like wandering around <sighs> the gate like an idiot oh, being no. like not asking anybody but essentially asking like random 20 year olds being like Psst. are you are you going to australia Like, like, first of all, how creepy. I'm glad it was 2000
0: because no uh, no one wants to be a creeper in an airport.
1: I (laughs) should have. Right. No. By today's standards, who like I should have been thrown out of the airport. But so so somehow in all of this, I find this group of equally confused 21 and 22 year olds. Right. So we're this gaggle of confused children ready to get on a very long plane ride but we're also really excited right cuz it's new people it's new college students and so we get on this 15 hour plane ride and it is none of us go to sleep because we're all so excited you know we're just learning new you know it's like it's like freshman year all over again without the pressure of recognizing that you're going to have to live with these people for a year right so it's all the good parts of meeting new people without any of the like oh god right this is, I can't mess this up, right? And so we take the 15 hour plane ride. I just remember I mean I don't even remember the conversation, but I remember that we were all ha- we were all really happy. In that conversation, what do you think it's gonna be like? What do you think it's gonna be like? And then, of course, everyone's like, How many kangaroos are we gonna see? You know, like we did, we checked (laughs) off all the, are we gonna be like, When are we gonna be able to juggle kalawalas? Like we had all sorts of, like, you know, stupid things that we were saying, right? Obviously, you guys were doing Australian impressions, right? Obviously, obviously, all sorts of references to like, a lot of good days, a lot of shrimps were on the Barbie. Right, a lot of a lot of talk about yeah. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Yeah, that's that's for for all you youngins. That's crocodile, beaver, <laughs> reverence. Yeah. So we get to Sydney. We have a layover, and we go to Cairns, which is like I didn't even realize that Australia had rainforest. In. Mm, like because mm-hmm. when you think of Australia, you think of the outback, right? You think of sort of this like dry, dry ecosystem. But in the northeast corner of Queensland they have a rainforest. And and so the city you fly into out of Sydney is you go to Cairns, which is spelled C-A-I-R-N-S. That's how it's pronounced?
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, it's pronounced Cairns. I just, wow. I'm sure some Australians going to be like, it's Cairns. that guy's messing it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I am sure I've messed it up. That's fine. But that's at least how it was told us. So, we, so then we take this quick, like, two-hour ride. Because at that point, we've been on the plane for 15 hours, right? What's in a couple more hours, right? Yeah. Whatever, right? Who cares? We get <laughs> off at Cairns, we get picked up, and we, got, we get like, schlepped out to this, like, field station. And there is where, and we get to this, and again, just just driving into a rainforest, I think, immediately shifted my mindset of, like, I don't know what I've just gotten myself into. Because yeah. whatever ideas I had about Australia were just blown right out of the water, right? Like, I can, like I'm going to the Australian rainforest. I can say that. But then you drive into it, and you're like, oh, this is what it means to be in a in rainforest. Yeah. Okay? And, you know, I remember we drove in, and we parked the van, and we're unloading our packs and all of these things. And, uh, you know, we're doing, like, a, a lot of, like, trust fall-type activities, yeah. right? So everyone yeah. learns their names and all of this. Stuff. And, you know, the group of students... Uh, you know i will never forget it was me a guy named josh and 23 girls there were 25 of That's us. That's
0: right That's right
1: Yeah women's Steve let's go Yeah, yeah gang. And right right and so i was first of all you know i was a nerdy nerd right so being around this many girls at one time i was just like <laughs> i don't know what to do Are you hot, like, hot collar <laughs> I'm intimidated. I don't know. All sorts of fe- Okay. But <laughs> it was confusing. So we get there, and one of the first things we see is something called a strangler fig. Oh. I would never heard of these before. And I still have this picture that's actually hanging at my parents' house now in New Jersey of this tree and this strangler fig coming down. So strangler figs, for you, if you don't know, are, are a par- basically like a parasitic tree. Yeah. That basically they land and they basically grow roots and they essentially choke out the tree that they're growing up. So we get there. I'm just seeing all these things that I never, like, I just couldn't even conceive of as a thing, you yeah. know. And so much of college is that, right? Like, you just don't even realize these things exist, but like, to have your whole conception of science just I mean, to say obli- eviscerated <laughs> was, is an understatement. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going around, and one of the things as we're hiking around the forest, you know, we're taking our you know first few days tour. You know, one thing we also got to learn about, I got to learn about firsthand, was the first time I dealt with this, was leeches. Oh, ooh. And so, yeah, in the forest, <laughs> we would go on hikes, and we would always find leeches on our ankles because they were just hanging out. In the forest. And so we were told, like, you can't rip them out because they'll leave their little hooks in you. Ooh. So what do you got to do? We sit down, and you look it down at your ankle, and you pull down your sock, and sure enough, there are four or five leeches on there. Okay? Like little guys, maybe like half an inch long. Okay. What do you got to do? You got to get the salt shaker. And you oh. just put salt on them. Treat them like a slug. You put salt on them. And yep. Y- yep. You put salt on them, and they just fall right off. I mean, they're not happy. They also just desiccate. Yeah, you know? yeah. But the blood that they just took out of you, because they de- they essentially just pop, you know? And it was just like, oh, my God. So, like, every day it was just like, went on a hike. Someone throw me the salt shaker. Yeah, that's getting
2: warfare, my man. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was absolutely. Like, i just like, what? That is some osmotic warfare. That's what that is. I, that is some osmotic warfare. warfare. I I also had a moment
2: where once I was like, oh, yeah, treat him like a slug. Don't – if you're listening, please don't ever do that to a slug. Slugs yes, are so do
1: sweet not, and yes, so please, kind. Yes, please do <laughs> not. Right. Please do not do this. Right. This yeah, is not an exactly. endorsement. This was just a re- – just a story right this is what it's
0: crazy too because i must have heard that somewhere that you throw salt on them because i was sitting here thinking how do you get them off and i was like yeah you probably just get some salt on them and they just shrivel up and go away but (laughs) i I did not come up with that someone told me that i'm not that smart that's crazy
1: no i have evidence of it this is real because the other thing that when you when you do that I believe, so don't quote me on this. Okay. So some some leech biologist is going to say I'm wrong. I think, <laughs> I remember when we put salt on them, they'd fall off and then your leg would bleed quite a bit because I think they put an anti, I think they oh. inject an anticoagulant into your yeah. bloodstream oh, to actually it makes sense. thin your blood. So when you salt your ankle, your ankle keeps bleeding yeah. because it's just like basically yeah. they put a blood thinner into your leg or into where they've bit. So yeah, so anyway, so we, so, so we start hiking around, and I remember this really, and so when we were there, we had three professors, and these three professors, one focused on animals, one focused on plants, and one focused on societal impacts of sort of ecology, and the course was about tropical for, reforestation. So when we think about reforesting an ecosystem, right, it's not just planting trees, it's about which trees do we plant, and how do we keep them alive? right? If we want them, if we want to restore an ecosystem, we can't just put a seed in the ground and be like, done, right? (laughs) How do we make those societal decisions, right? right? So these three great profs. One of the profs, the plant ecologist, was named Dr. Florentine. And, you know, like I said, growing up, uh, my parents were physicians, I had met plenty of STEM professionals, but most of, but essentially those STEM professionals were all in healthcare. So I had STEM role models, but I had healthcare STEM role models. I had never met a STEM role model, basically outside of healthcare. And so Dr. Florentine was from Sri Lanka and he was an ecologist from Sri Lanka. It was the first time that I had ever met a brown ecologist. And, you know, the way he teaches or the way he taught is the way I teach. There's a direct line between him and me because he took this pre-med kid and he opened up a world of ecology to me that I didn't even realize I knew existed. And that I was curious about. And he had this really infectious laugh. He would always (laughs) make fun of us. You know, he was from Sri Lanka. So he had the Sri Lankan accent, but he was also, he lived in Australia for a while. So he had this really amalgam of accents between Sri Lankan English and Australian. And so it was just this thing that, like, and because I, you know, growing up going to India, like, there were things that I could hear in how he spoke that... I was like, oh, that's like my uncle, you know? So there was like this deep connection that I didn't even realize I had. And the best way it manifested was sometimes some of the students, some of the other students in the class would come and want to get copies of my notes because (laughs) they couldn't, like they missed a few words here and there. Mm, And -hmm. then I would be like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. He just said schedule. He meant he said schedule, but he meant schedule. So Dr. Florentine, you know, and it was just amazing. He was a plant ecologist and he studied weeds. You know, that's why I remember he, he introduced us. Like, Hi, my name is Dr. Florentine and I'm a weed scientist, right? And I remember I'm coming from New York City. So I had a very, very different interpretation of what that <laughs> word meant, right? And so he said that, and of course, because I'm an immature 20-year-old, I started giggling and he goes, not the weed that you smoked. And I was like, right? <laughs> and... And then I was, and I, like, I started giggling, and I kind of stopped out of, like, what, what, what are you talking about? And then he introduced me to this idea mm-hmm. that plants get places, and sometimes we don't want them there. And that is what is often characterized as a weed. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. That we do have places, we, plants get places that we don't want. And so he just opened up all of ecology to me. And he opened it up because he kept me... Asking questions. Mm. And it was the first time that science had ever been posed to me as a series of questions and curiosities, as opposed to a series of facts that needed to be regurgitated. And that was, especially now as I have been being an educator at both the college and high school level, I see how important that is. And it's what I try to do with my students. Try to get them to ask questions and see that some fact that I teach them is meant to be the springboard for the next question where they ask, well, how does that work, right? Because that's the most important piece, not that glycolysis breaks glucose into two pyruvates. If they ask, how does that enzyme work, then that's the goal, right? And when he... Sorry for the cell respiration nerding out. We just talked about that in class this week. (laughs) We love it. it. And so he posed this field of science to me and he was like, how do we fix this ecosystem? How do we restore this forest? And he threw that out to us. And I was like, what do you mean, how do we do it? You tell us and then I tell you it back (laughs) and then I'm good, right? And he's like, no, I'm asking you, how do we restore or fix this ecosystem? And once he did that, you know, we, walk, we would take these hikes, and the way the class was structured, we'd have a plant day, and then we had this other professor who, who was named Mike. He just calls Professor Mike, and he was a birder. So, like, every few days, we'd wake up at four in the morning and go out birding in the Australian rainforest, which was like for a 20 year old kid who doesn't, who, where youth is wasted on the young, I was just like, oh, why am I getting up? Looking back, I'm like, I was up at sunset, a sunrise. With the birds in an Australian rainforest, I remember there was this bird called the cat bird that was the most accurately named animal I've ever heard in my life because it sounded like a cat yelling in a tree every morning. And so we would go with our binoculars and Mike would be able to spot birds. I mean, he was trained as an ornithologist, right? So his ability to spot birds in trees, like that just looks like a pile of leaves. he's like, you see that little orange fleck there? That's the wood thrusted, crested, crested crest, you know, like, (laughs) right? Uh, Yeah. But I could see both from Dr. Florentine and Dr. Mike, I could see how passionate they were about like finding a bird in a tree or like why that plant is growing the way it was. And so as we hiked around, I remember I have this picture of the, we were coming back from a birding trip and just because the sun was just rising, all the light was just starting to come through the trees. And it was like a scene out of a movie. It was like there was just a little bit of mist, and the sun was breaking through the leaves, breaking through the mist, and these like students were hiking in front of us. And I was like, oh, this is it. This is the thing. This is the thing I want to do. Oh. And at the end of that month, I wrote all my profs a letter saying I want to go to graduate school, to get my PhD <laughs> in college. I had no idea Dude. what that meant. I just said, this is the thing I want to do. And so I gave him that letter, and I hopped on the plane back, and I got back to New York. I distinctly remember, I came back, and my parents came in for some random weekend or something, and we got in the car, and I was I remember sitting on Canal Street in New York, if you've ever been. Canal Street is often where you can buy a lot of fake Gucci and yep. fake... Just fake stuff, right? Like, you want a Gucci purse for $5 instead of 500 Go to Canal Street, right? But the Gucci has, like, six Cs in it, right? <laughs> or just three Cs rather than two, right? It's just yeah. off enough. If you're lucky, you can get, they have two Cs, but they're backwards. There you go. Absolutely. You can get backwards Gucci. You can get Folklies. You all don't know Oakley. <laughs> as, as sunglasses. So I'm sitting in this car with my parents. You know, they are just like, how was the trip? And I said, you yeah, know, the trip was great. I want to become an ecologist and they were like what is that you know and and I told them I'm not pre-med I was like I don't think I want to become a a physician anymore and I remember my father being like not in this calm voice he was like you're taking the MCAT (laughs) and I was like why would I take the MCAT if I'm not going to go to medical school right and so we're in the car on canal street just yelling at each other in the car you know over like the mcat it's the most ridiculous scene if you were like outside just these people just yelling at each other in a car being like mcat no MCAT, just you know but we're like fighting over my future (laughs) and uh and so like i tell my parents this and again like at the time like, I don't even remember how it ended because all I remember, there was such a glowing red orb of a moment where my dad was like, oh, you're taking the MCAT. Like, the rest of it was just, like, yeah, leaked yeah, out of my memory. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, I finished college after So after I came back. So this was between my sophomore and junior year. And then junior year, the summer, I did an internship at an ecological field station in Minnesota. and And so I want to be clear. Like, my parents were worried that I was, like, I wanted to go get my PhD in ecology, this thing that they didn't know. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know what it was, right? So of course they're going to be hesitant, right? They're, you know, they are first gen, you know, like I'm a first generation kid, right? So like they worked really hard. They know the medical road leads to financial stability or, you know, can lead to financial stability, all of these things, right? And so when I say, I want to go and do this thing that they've never heard of, of course their reaction is going to be concern, and care but really concern of like oh god what are you choosing <laughs> like yeah. we have no ability can you survive to help or right can you survive help or protect you and then what do i do as a 20 year old i then say hey thanks next summer i want to go to this place called minnesota <laughs> which like, they were like what is that <laughs>
2: yeah. what is
1: that and they're like and i'm like i want to go so work at a fuel station like, what is that <laughs> what is a fuel station what do <laughs> you mean you're yeah. gonna go live in minnesota yeah and so So, like, I'm just putting my parents, and again, I can say this looking back, but, like, at the time, I'm just, like, a rebellious 20. Like, no, this is what I want to do, Mom. Like, (laughs) you know, like, and then I say, they realize I want to become an ecologist. And I say, and so after college, I worked back in Minnesota, and then I worked in the Grand Canyon for three months. And they were like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then I worked in Panama for a month and a half, and they're like, oh, my God, what are you, what is going on? yeah. And then I told them, I said, "Guess what? Uh, not guess what. I didn't. This is not how I framed the conversation. Guess what? Guess my, what? what? That would be the, next- the most
2: hater way to start that. Oh my gosh!"
1: <laughs> so then, so then, I told them I want to go get my PhD and I'm going to grad school in Nebraska. And they were like, "Where is that? Where is that? You know?" And so, what did they start doing? they started printing out, like, it's like these progressive commercials where the parents, the young homeowners start printing out the Internet. My parents started printing out the Internet. <laughs> and what did they start doing? They printed out the web pages. Like, they clearly, like, again, this is the most, looking back, it's the most caring yep. thing. Yeah. I go to bed, they're up at night on the Internet, on the 56K modem, yep. right? On the American Online 56.6K modem. And they are going to like Columbia University and Princeton and all these schools that they know, right? Because that's all they know, right? And they, they type in ecology or environmental science <laughs> and they find that there's a program. And so what do they do? They just hit print. And like, they just hand me, like they hand me pages being like, why don't you go to school here? Obviously they you have didn't programs look, because here you go. Right, obviously you want to go to this place called Nebraska, <laughs> what? Why don't you look at places that are nearby? And so like I you know I had to explain them, like what does it mean what's an advisor how do you pick those things right why nebraska But all I can say is like those moments of being outdoors in Australia just like you know you asked how it took a turn it took a, you know to say it took a turn south is geographically accurate <laughs> but absolutely inaccurate in terms of what it did for me Yeah right? yeah right And so being outdoors in that space was, I don't even have the words to describe how transformative it was, right? My existence as an ecologist is the strongest evidence of how transformative those moments were, Mm. being outdoors. Salting those leeches, seeing that light breaking through the leaves in that mist. Yeah, yeah. Meeting Dr. Florentine. And I couldn't use these words at that time, but right, representation matters right yeah and that is so hugely you know so with my students now and even in college when i used to teach college i always would make sure that my students were reading diverse author sets i would always make sure that now i have colleagues of mine Skype into my science research class so my students learn that science is not just biologist chemist physicist that they learn that there is something called a computational biologist Like just today, we had a biomedical engineer coming in from New Jersey, Skype in from New Jersey. And, you know, again, it's helping the students get this vocabulary they didn't know existed. And that's really what Dr. Florentine did. He gave me words that I didn't know existed, and then he helped me learn how to use those words. And those words allowed me to find a passion that apparently was... Forming from my younger ages in yeah. blurry ass photos, yep. but yeah. he helped me find it and sharpen that image and sharpen those questions and curiosities into something I wanted to pursue for the rest of my life. Yeah. And now I go anytime I try to, you know, love to go hiking. My partner, we like to go high point. Well, she likes to go high pointing, and we love getting outdoors and hiking all the time. And that. I can trace any and all of those experiences back to Dr. Florentine and the Australian Yeah. So, it. yeah, that's my that's my story. And I'm sticking to it.
0: I'd like to believe that when your parents were printing out that survival toolkit, <laughs> that there was one blurry printout in there because the ink was getting all messed up <laughs> from www.nebraska.org. I'd yep, like to think that, right. that that was your your ram in the bush <laughs> because that's they needed right. to
2: know. <laughs> you mentioning that they printed off the the whole internet and I'm like that is such a parent thing. My dad has such done a- that. My mom has done that. They're your like absolutely they're like
0: that.
2: I'm going to help, but I'm going to help in my way. And then they're like here and you know and it's just like it's like, I got it covered, but at the same time, it, it does come from a place where they were, you know, sometimes, I don't know the individual, but it often does come from a place where they're just doing their best to assist us in the ways that, you know, yeah. based on their life experiences. You yeah. know, some some black and brown folks, they're like, why are you taking a career in a field that doesn't pay that much or isn't that high prestige? And, right. I, you know, I came to realize that it's like a lot of them are afraid of Us becoming socially or financially marginalized, in addition Mm -hmm. to socially marginalized, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Their behavior totally tracks.
0: They work too hard. They work too hard for
1: (laughs) us to be Uh, in certain financial situations. Yo, but
2: my mom, for real. Like,
1: (laughs) my my parents are like, we moved 10,000 miles. The length of the earth. (laughs) To go, we moved across the planet. And you want to go where and do what?
0: We got mud at the house, right? You don't need to go get a degree in mud. Yeah,
1: right, <laughs> right, exactly. Go out in the backyard in Long Island. Uh-huh. Here's a here's a shovel. Go dig a hole. There's your ecology, right? <laughs> yeah. like, like, for real. Like, I absolutely get it, and but it was the fact that they were like, "Go, do the thing." Yes, do the thing was yeah the biggest expression of love that they could have said or they could have done without saying I love you yeah yeah, yeah. right it's an act and of service in a way it's a right right yeah. you know and for them you know I remember at one point there was this really weird there was this really small moment just a few years ago so you know I've been a professor da and at one point like I was living in Nebraska And my mom said something really quick at one point in a conversation. She's like, well, you know, we moved 10,000 miles. You know, he's just 500 miles away. Like, and it was this really quick moment of just like, hey, we made a choice to move our life here. He's making choices for his life. And it's our job to help be supportive of that. And so I'm sure they both love and hate Dr. Florentine. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Right. Because I came home. And I was talking about Doctor Florentine, Doctor Florentine, and they were like, I, sh- "You got two doctors, right? <laughs> you got two brown doctors yeah, right in front of you. You're telling two brown doctors about another brown doctor, like brown doctors don't exist."
0: What is this? Representation <laughs> matters. We are represented here in our home.
1: <laughs> they're like, what? they're like, what am I chopping yeah, liver? We like? Are repre- like, look, here's your representation. I got you. Like, I got your representation right here.
2: All right. It is now that time in the show again. It is
1: shout-out time. Beep, 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 so beep, beep. Who would you like to give some shout-outs to? Oh man. So many, so many people. You know, I would give an all the shout out to Dr. Florentine, but I don't think Dr. Florentine's on social media. Uh, <laughs> uh, so shout-outs. First, I've gotta shout out to a very good dear friend and colleague of mine, her name's Dr. Jacqueline Gill. She's on Twitter. She's an amazing scientist, amazing science communicator. She's great. What's that handle? Her handle is at Jacqueline Gill. That's right. Um, Keep it easy. So Keep it easy, right? Keep it easy. Exactly. At Jacqueline Gill. I want to shout out Dr. Bala Chowdhury. Dr. Chowdhury is a professor. So she's another brown ecologist. She is at Dartmouth University. Um, I'm grabbing my phone to get the handle right but I believe it's at Bala Chowdhury. She's amazing. Dr. Sasha Wright. She's at Sasha J. Wright, another amazing ecologist. I love this. Dr. Tanisha Williams. She's a plant ecologist at Bucknell University. She's a postdoctoral researcher there. I think she was actually just on the NPR Shortwave podcast. Damn, good for um, she her. She actually started. Yeah, she started Black Botanist Week.
2: Oh yeah! Yes. All right, <laughs> she's on our radar. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Tanisha is great. Her handle is at t underscore Marie underscore WMS. Yeah. So she's awesome. There are too many. Dude. There are too many. And yep. you know what I really enjoy? I like that I can say there are too many brown folks outdoors to mention that's really what I love right that's
0: what
1: I really I really like that there are too many to mention Dr. Solomon David he's down in Louisiana yeah. he's a fish ecologist
2: Dr. Solomon David if you're hearing this come on the show man let's go <laughs> tell me about those gar <laughs> yeah
1: that's right that's right you know who I'm talking about exactly <laughs> I know who that man is Solomon R David he's great. So too many to mention, but yeah, those are my shout outs. I love that. Love to hear it. That just
0: brought me so much joy.
2: All right. To end this show, as I always do, I'm going to end the show with a little joke. This one's for everybody. All right. Hey, what do you call a black doctor?
0: This sounds like a trap. A doctor. We out!
2: We Out Here Pod is Allison Jones and Alexi Bruces. Show theme by Spencer Snedden. Show graphics by Cleve Gillette and lead editing by Patrick Emeribe. Now if you like this show, give us a quick five-star rating and review. Tell us how much you love us everywhere you listen to your podcast. Now, if you like, you can follow us on Twitter at WeOutHerePod or on Instagram at TheWeOutHerePod. If you're a black, brown, or indigenous person in science and nature and you want to share a story with our audience and get paid while you're at it, hit us up on social media or on our email at WeOutHerePod at gmail.com. No person's voice is too big or too small to be heard on this here show. So come through, come hang, have a laugh, tell a story, In some podcast news. We are going to be taking a June hiatus, and that means there's going to be no episode this June while Allison and I celebrate Juneteenth. That means episodes are going to start back up in July with episode six and in the meantime if you guys can't get your fix on the podcast come through our patreon at patreon.com slash we out here pod this is where we release bonus content like extended interviews y'all have the chance to ask our guests and ourselves questions uh we'll have full and ad free episodes Uh, And now we're also releasing no SFX episodes. Uh, So these ones will have all of those sound effects cleared out and make for a little cleaner listening for the folks who get, uh, you know, tied up with those little ticky-tocky sounds that I have in the background. Uh, Our tiers start as low as $2 a month, and at higher tiers, you guys will also get uh, complimentary merch sent to you quarterly, tote bags, mugs, stickers, and plenty more. Now, today's episode is going to be supporting the Environmental Voter Project. So if you are a person who wants to vote with your heart and vote with nature and against climate change, check them out. See if they align with your mission. And if so, support them. We hope you guys have a great Cinco de Mayo, a.k.a. the Battle of Puebla, and a wonderful Juneteenth. That being said, get outside. Get outside.
0: This is the only corner anyone's ever allowed to see of my apartment. My studio is 182 square feet, including a kitchen and a bathroom. Yeah, This is it.
1: That's good work.
0: I'm living that life too. (laughs) Right. That's good craftsmanship.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, that's efficient. That's efficient. That's efficient. That is an
0: efficient studio. (laughs) Yeah. And it is like, it's a full stove, like a full size stove, a full size, almost full size fridge. It's, it's crazy
2: because like Allison's actually recording from her stove right now. So wild. <laughs> the the mic comes out of the oven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know,
0: and I'm actually sitting on the <laughs> toilet. It's there crazy.
2: In. In the toilet in front of the <laughs> oven.
0: <laughs> it's a wild behavior, isn't it?